The Westwinds Breviary is our gift to you during the shelter-in-place order concerning COVID-19. We offer you hope and healing as lovers and followers of Jesus Christ believing these short online liturgies will elevate your spirits and unify your homes. May God bless you richly as you endeavor to renew your mind and love your neighbor. Good morning, Westwinds. Welcome to our morning matins service. When we sing in chains, when we worship in trials, the world will take note. I'm so glad you're here with us this morning. Acts chapter 16 is where we are looking today. It says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling in fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas, and then brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, Paul and Silas have found themselves in a situation here. Uh, they're in prison. And the reason they're in prison is a whole nother story that you can read right at the beginning of Acts chapter 16. But for now, let's just recognize that they've been badly beaten, beaten by rods, the Bible tells us, and now find themselves in prison. Now, prison then is very different than, than prison now. There were, there were no people advocating for the rights of the prisoners. No one making sure they had balanced meals and good accommodations. That didn't happen. These guys were chained in stocks and, and, and the Bible tells us they were put in the innermost prison. Um, so think that they're with a smaller group of probably more dangerous or high profile prisoners. And, and, and there's no electric lights, so it's dark. They're most likely chained to the floor. It says their feet are in stocks. Uh, there's no bathrooms in there. Um, there's probably rats and other things like that that are around. So just imagine that. Imagine the situation that Paul and Silas find themselves in. I don't know about you, but for me, if I'm chained somewhere on the floor in the dark and, and I've been beaten and I've been stripped of my clothes and I feel something touch my leg, that's game over. I'm not going any further than that right there. This is a terrible situation, which is what makes the passage I just read so weird. There are three very strange things that happen in this passage. The first one is that it says that at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They are in prison. They're in prison for something that they didn't actually do. They're, they're, they're being unfairly treated. And we find out later Paul shouldn't have even been in prison there anyways because of um, his Roman citizenship. They've been beaten, they're chained, they're, they're naked, and, and in a terrible situation, and they're singing. Now, I don't know how you picture this singing, um, but I don't picture it as gleeful and joyful and giddy. I don't think they had a tambourine. I don't think they were in, in, in full-on clap your hands, you know, lift them up in the air, worship mode. I think of this as, as gritty worship, as disciplined worship. I imagine Paul and Silas, hungry, beaten, in the dark, afraid, all of these things, probably whispering out these prayers and this worship, doing it as a discipline. Isn't that interesting? You see a couple guys here who, who, whose, whose worship is not defined by their circumstance. Actually, it goes far the other direction. 
Paul and Silas are worshiping at a time when it doesn't make any sense to worship. Now that, that feels very challenging to me because I think of the times when things feel really good and, I, and I'm just you know, walking around my house and I've got a song in my heart and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm singing that out. But what about, what about the times when it's bad? What about the times when you don't feel um, like God's showing up for you the way you want him to? What does it look like for us to have the discipline of worship? That's what Paul had. Paul literally took his faith to another level. Instead of just living in his situation and in his circumstance, worship brought him up to another level. It brought his faith to a place where he could see that God was still even in, was in control still, even in this bad circumstance. And that is what worship does for us. Worship takes our eyes off of our situation and puts them on something else. David says in the Psalms that we should magnify the Lord and exalt his name together. That's what worship does. Worship blows God up to bigger than any situation you're in. And when we don't worship, naturally the situation, the context, the suffering, the pain, those things get blown out of proportion. See, if Paul wasn't worshiping in this story, man, he would have been sunk. He would have had no chance to, 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 see, to see what God was doing. And, and what God was doing is the next weird things that thing that happens in the story. There, there's an earthquake, and, and the earthquake rattles the foundations of the prison so much um, that it pulls the, the chains that were holding them in out from the ground, and, and, and they're free and able to go. God performs this amazing miracle. But the third weird thing that happens is, is, is where I really want to focus, because it's so bizarre. I'll read it to you again. It says, But Paul cried with a loud voice, We are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and fell down before Paul and Silas. So, so let's recap what's happened here. Paul and Silas singing, worshiping, praying, asking God for, for his protection. God protects them. He shows up. Earthquake pulls the chains out and it says the prison door flies open. And when the jailer wakes up to this earthquake and goes to the prison and sees that everyone has gone, the Bible says he takes his sword out to kill himself. That's because the penalty for losing prisoners back then was death. So this guy knows he's going to die anyways. He might as well do it at his own hand rather than going through the humiliation and the suffering of being killed by a, a commanding officer. But right before he's about to do that, Paul yells out to him and says, Stop! We're all still here. This is the dumbest prison escape that you could ever plan. You're praying for God to do something. The doors fly off the prison. God does something. And then you don't walk through the wide open door. I've read this story so many times and I go, why didn't he do it? And here's what I think. I don't think Paul was singing and worshiping, asking God to set him free from his situation. I don't think that was Paul's point at all. Paul says in other places where he writes, I've, I've, I know this one thing. I figured out how to be content wherever I am. See, I don't think Paul was worshiping and praying for an escape. I think Paul was worshiping and praying because he recognized that he needed God to be bigger than his circumstance. And then when God shows up in that moment, rather than rushing through the open door, Paul stays in this worshipful space. Paul continues to say, God, you're bigger than this situation. So what are you doing right now? Do you see that? Paul doesn't see the door fly open and then right away go, oh, I'm, I'm going to do what's best for me. I'm going to take care of my stuff. I'm going to get out of this situation. Finally, it's over. He waits a minute. He looks around. 
He keeps worshiping. God, what are you doing now? And then he sees this guy getting ready to take his own life. And Paul says, no, no, we're still here. And this story ends with this, with this jailer coming to Paul and saying, hey, what do I have to do to be saved? Which is just to say, what do I have to do to get this? What do I have to do to, to, to have what you have right now? It's an incredible story and what a great reminder for us. Sometimes we are so focused in on our own situation and getting out of it that as soon as a door opens, we run through it. But maybe that door didn't open just for you. Maybe God didn't open that door just so you could get out of town, get out of your situation as fast as possible. God is working in everyone's life. And it might be that God opens a door so that you can invite other people to walk through it. And that's what Paul understood. But you'll only get that perspective if you're living a life of worship. And so that's my prayer for you today, is that, is that you will see that God is doing more than just what he's doing in your life. And that you will see that worship is the way that we magnify God and that we make him bigger. And then next time a door flies open, especially one where you've been frustrated or hurt or angry or lonely or any of those things, the next time that door flies open, keep worshiping. Keep coming to God. Keep asking him what he's doing in that situation. And look around because it, could, it, it might be that that door opened so that you could invite someone else to walk through it with you.
For many Christian people, remembering your baptism is as significant an experience as the baptism itself. And really, it's all about the heart with which you approach the ritual. You can make something meaningful simply by investing your own time and attention into whatever that is. And today I'll remember my baptism through the process of washing my hands in this little bowl. And truthfully, what I'd like to do is kneel down by a stream and wash my hands in the stream. Because I used to lead retreats, spiritual retreats for college students up into the mountains of British Columbia. And there was always a little mountain stream where we would go and sometimes we'd um, you know, scratch in the ichthus, the sign of the fish, or sometimes the sign of the cross in the stream. The stream emptied out into a large mountain lake where my friend Nathaniel was baptized in the middle of the winter, surrounded by snow. And I, I go back to that experience and I remember the cold water and the sensation of it going through my hands and over my hands and uh, all over my friend. And so today, as I wash my hands in this tiny bowl, I invite you to consecrate your own heart and remember the ways that God has scoured and cleansed you as well. The door is open, but it is not just for you. People are waiting. They need an invitation. This time, we don't run away. Grace and peace to you. And may you continue to look for God in every part of your life.